0: Hello, everybody. This is Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America. And this is our weekly off-track podcast. It's actually the first one we've done in a few weeks that we haven't done uh, from the racetrack. Sean Vice, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Um it uh it's good to be back from Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I we talk about Road America being one of our favorites and the fact that we got to do two rounds up there and um, boy, I'll tell you, Pittsburgh sure is a, a favorite for mine. And I mean, it, I have to say it's because it's exactly three hours and one minute from my door to that track. So that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. It's not as close as what Mid-Ohio is. But um, I think Pittsburgh has seriously supplanted uh, Mid-Ohio as an awesome track in this part of the country. And I know a lot of Ohio fans go over there. Um, but we had we had a massive crowd who uh, seemed to be doing a good job with their social distancing. But the place is big enough that, you know, you can get a lot of people there. But um, it was a good one, right?
0: Yeah, it was really good. And, and your point about Mid-Ohio is actually a good one because um, I guess it would draw the same people or, or a lot of the same people. And you would know that you're from back there. And like you said, it was a three-hour drive for you. But I think just the kind of overall feeling that that track has reminds me a lot of Mid-Ohio once you mentioned it. You know the other, the way that the fans are on that on that one hill and you know i remember mid ohio being packed with people on the grass hills there as well it kind of had that same sort of a feeling to it but uh yeah i've liked um i've liked pit Race since we started going there um i i like the location um and again i think uh considering that we've we've only been there a few years i think the fan base has already grown and and people are starting to put that thing on their calendar we you know, when we get back to normal, if if normal's actually ever a thing again, um, you know, the, the, these people can start to plan on a given weekend, um, much like they do at Road America. I think that's what helps Road America so much is that it's always it's always that last weekend in May, first weekend in June, you know, and people can set their set their calendar around it.
1: Yeah, and you know, we uh, as you pointed out, I mean, we looked at some of the photos that a lot of the photos that Brian J took of the riders from certain angles. It's exactly what you were saying. You could see, you know, in the background blurs of them, you know, uh, lining the fence, just like like you're saying, like like the way it was at Mid-Ohio. And uh, we went up on the hill. I guess that's what you call it, that one observation area. And I was embarrassed to say I hadn't even been up there in the time we've gone there. And once you once you took me up there, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just a natural sort of perfect place because you can see him coming off a turn. Or you know, off the front straightaway and into the first turn, and then they they double back, and you can see more of it. Just the the fact that you can see so much of the track from that area, it's no wonder that so many people were up there. But it was it almost felt like being at a county fair. I mean, just walking around, you know, with all the people and everybody seems to be so happy and enjoying themselves. So it was it was so cool.
0: Yeah. And you never know. I mean, you, you know, at the races that we've had fans at, you just never know if, if they're going to feel comfortable coming out or if they're, if they're going to stay away. But man, it sure seems like, um, you know, it sure seems like a lot of people came out and, and, and I think they all had a lot of fun. And I think they're all doing the right thing and following the right practices and, and going about their business, but at least, uh, you know, having a weekend of good entertainment. And I'm sure it's nice to, I know it's nice for me to, to get out and, and go to those races and, and enjoy that. It's funny, it's like, I mean, obviously, I've been doing this my entire life, but, um, and I was just thinking about this morning, it was like, on Sunday, I I, I don't, I can't imagine, I must have watched like 10 motorcycle races, because I got up in my hotel room early and to watch Joe Roberts in Moto2, and then had my laptop and got to the track in time to watch uh, MotoGP, which I never miss. And I try to watch it either live or as close to live as I can. Um, through their live streaming package. And then after, uh, Moto GP ended, then I was able to watch Gerloff in, in the world superbike race. And then, you know, before you know it, our five races started. So it was, I, I was thinking back, I'm like, man, you've watched a lot of motorcycle races that day. And then I think back of like how many motorcycle races I must have seen in my entire life. And it's just, it's kind oh, yeah. of mind boggling because it's naturally, I mean, it was ever since birth, basically. So, but right. it's, it's funny how you just, um, I mean, I just really like watching, um, I just really like watching motorcycle races and it never gets old for me. And, you know, we've had some good ones and we've had some less than good ones this year, but it's still motorcycle racing. So I can understand why people want to get out and enjoy it.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about this one thing, Paul, I'd love to get your perspective on this because I, I'm sure it's similar to mine. So we have seen so far this year, that Cameron uh, Bobbie seems to be on another plane in Hono superbike, And he's uh except for the one mistake he's made, he's been perfect. And he's, you know, just dominating the field with big gaps. And of course, now we're starting to have some fans that have even, you know, forwarded the opinion that it's somewhat boring. And I, fail to be able to see that. I understand about what's going on there, but, you know, I think our TV does a good job on this. I mean, obviously the battle with uh, Tony and Josh Heron and uh, Kyle Wyman was a good one to see. And I'm surprised to hear people say that. And I don't, I don't know what, whether it's people that are watching it on TV. I don't think it's people that are there um, because sometimes, it, I, to, in my opinion, it almost doesn't really matter where the leader is on the track and how much of a gap they have because there's there's uh, you know you get up to the back markers, there's some strategy there in passing them and it just seems like there are battles further back. I, there's always something in a race that's interesting to me. do you what's your perspective on that?
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think they've, I don't want to say that they've become spoiled with our super class in the last few years, but they probably have because we've had numerous winners, um, we've had Cameron who's struggled at times and Tony's excelled at times and vice versa. So it's just been more of a mix than what we have this year. So I think, you know, I think the word boring is a bit strong. Um, but I can see their point a little bit because, you know, anytime you have this, the same winner over and over, I mean, the it was starting to, even with the incredible races that, that GPs had, um, you know, you, you would hear whispers of the same thing, um, with Mark Marquez and and now that he's out, people are saying, Oh, MotoGP's never been better because the the dominant guy or the guy that every no everyone knows they have to beat every weekend is gone. So it it kind of gives everybody new hope that any of them can win. Um and I think Cameron's kind of taken that away this year because he he's on such he he obviously loves the motorcycle that he's riding. He feels incredibly comfortable on it and he's very confident and Every time he goes out, he leads the session, leads the session. And and it seems like from the very beginning, everybody else is racing for second place. Um, but I think there's another... I mean, I think this happens every once in a while where somebody steps up and the other guys don't step up with him or to the same degree. And so what you end up with is somebody that's dominating. And I think what you can do as a fan during those times is actually appreciate the guy that's doing it. And if you watch him... like if you watch highlights of him or slow motion or uh you know just the tv broadcast when they're just showing cameron on with the form that he's on right now it's like it's actually fun to watch one guy that's not racing with anybody i know it's different but if you watch it for what it is for somebody that's truly at the top of their game uh you know it it gives you a different perspective on it but yeah i mean he's on a roll um you know one thing i thought that was good about pit race was i thought they they were closer well they were closer obviously in qualifying a lot closer and in the race um you know gagne in that second race was was keeping him honest um until he had the clutch problem and faded back and 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 even um you know skulls was closer to the lead on sunday than he was on saturday you don't know how much cameron has in reserve i have a feeling that the way things are going for him right now, if, if they stepped it up, he could step it up more. Um, I just think it's going to be one of those years where, you know, you, you just have to fully appreciate what he, what he's doing because it, he's definitely on top of his game and it's those other guys, those other guys got to keep firing off and they got to keep working. And I mean, I would like to see him actually be a little, I don't, don't want to see say mad, but it's like, I don't know. I, I I like to see when guys aren't happy when they're getting second and third, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one thing that, that's one thing that's kind of attracted me to, to Dominic Doyle a little bit and, and kind of keeping my eyes open for him and watching him a little bit more is I like the fact that when he's on the podium and he got second or he got third, you can see that he's like seizing, you know what I mean? He's like, it's bothering the hell out of him because he believes, that he's good enough and he believes that he should be winning. So when and he, and he's made a few mistakes and he knows he's made mistakes, but those, it bothers him. And, and I, to me, it's like, Scott Russell always said, you know, if you show me a good loser, I'll show you somebody who loses a lot. Um, right. So That's I kind of, I, I actually kind of like to see when guys don't like losing, because I think those are the guys that end up winning.
1: Yeah. And you know, the, I'm not saying it's the same people that are now saying some things about you know the bringing up the word boring with regarding regard to our superbike class but you see so many fans that talk about the supposed golden era of ama superbike racing when you know maladin was racing and when Spees was racing well you know how that was their gaps were even bigger than cameron's and it was just you know it was if you want to put it in those terms and measure it by those uh measurables i guess and that was a snooze fest too although i watched that era too and there was a lot of stuff going on further back in that pack that i enjoyed seeing and you know regardless of the domination that they showed people still look at it as being oh this was the greatest time ever and you know there are going to be fans that are going to probably in the future say this was the greatest time ever because if you go down through our five classes with everything that's going on um, it's, uh, there's a lot of compelling stories. But one more thing about Cameron I wanted to ask you about. Um, I know he's aware of the fact that he's four-time champion, probably going to be five-time champion. Do you think – it's hard to gauge his situation, and he's made it pretty clear in the past that he likes being home. But, you know, Josh Hayes brought up something to me that I think is interesting, and it's a fact that the way Yamaha's team has evolved and now it's a, it's a supported team – Josh has said it's probably a situation where Cameron's not going to necessarily make more money the longer he races. And so I wonder if he's getting to the point. Do you think maybe he will entertain the idea of moving up to World Superbike or something next year? I mean, obviously, Michael Vandermark, there's an opening there and it's with Yamaha. And he always said he wanted to be with a top team. And I don't know if he's intentionally making a statement about that. But do you think
0: that's in his mind at all? I would like to think it is uh, because I just the thing is, is I mean, we I I think almost all of us would want Cameron to try that and to go do that. But the bottom line is you and I can want it all day long and he's got to want it to actually make it work. Um, Right. and, And if he does want it, he's going about his business the right way this year because I think he's showing the rest of the world that he's. The, the quickest way to get to Europe is to dominate your series in, in your homeland. And now he's actually doing that. You know, winning by a second or half a second and then getting third by half a second or two seconds or one second. That, that's great. And that that's when it's absolutely not boring and the fans love it. But for somebody who's who wants to go somewhere else beyond Moto America, then he has to dominate. And that's what he's doing this year. He's winning races and he's not winning them by half a second. And he's not getting thirds. He's not getting fourths. He's not even getting seconds. The only time he hasn't won is because he crashed out of the lead. So I would like to think that he's entertaining thoughts of that. Um, but again, I, as, as much as, as well as I know, Cameron, I honestly couldn't tell you what he really <laughs> wants, what he really wants. Um, I think he, you know, he plays it close to his chest and, and uh yeah you just i don't know it's it's just weird you just don't know because he's been he, and i just don't think he's ever gotten the real opportunity that he thinks he could make be successful with but i think right. with, with vandermark leaving if 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 they truly are interested in him going to that team then that that can't be an excuse anymore because that is the team and i'm sure they would pay him the money that he needs I, I would imagine i mean i don't know what the pay scale is like comparative between what he makes now and what he would make there but honestly if he doesn't do it this year and he does get that offer then he truly just doesn't want to do it you know and and, yeah, and I, that's fine everybody should at that point just back off and leave the kid alone um yeah because ultimately it's his decision and you know you know if i got offered some wonderful job to go live in well, I don't, I want to, I don't want to, I almost said Ohio, but that would be rude. But you, you <laughs> know what okay I mean? It's like, if like, if I, if I got offered some incredible job and, and it, it required me to go, to go live in Europe, you know, for six or eight months, I probably wouldn't want to do that at this point in my life. So you, you know, everybody's, everybody has to do what they, they need to do to make themselves happy. Um, and I, I'm sure he feels it because I know his fans want him to go because his fans believe in him as I do. And I think right now the way that he's riding, if they gave him a motorcycle similar to what he's on now, I think he would consistently run in the top four or five at every single round.
1: Yeah, I do too. And I mean, he's got a yardstick there with his former teammate Garrett Gerloff. I mean, obviously I think he thought, well, let's see what Garrett can do. And, you know, Garrett's doing admirably so early in the season for not knowing those tracks. And, you know, I, I, am sure that that bike is, maybe a little behind the pot, the the lead bikes there uh, you know within the same brand and it would be cool if you know Garrett raced another year with that team he's with now and and uh, Cameron was on the other one and it just would be a, a great situation not only for america but i think for for yamaha in world superbike and also world superbike in general because we'd be going from you know virtually nobody really in that series to two of them who were Teammates and center, you know, really did some great things in America. So it just feels like maybe Cameron's like, wow, little, little baby Garrett. Look what he's doing. I, maybe I ought to try it out myself. So hopefully that's a little bit of pressure to, for him to do it. I don't know. We'll see. And
0: honestly, with the way that he's adapted to the motorcycle that he's on now, um, that's got to make him feel a hundred percent. Cause I don't think, I don't think through that. La- I don't think last year he was ever truly comfortable on the bike. And I think that's why he, you know, that's gotta be the big difference between him dominating now and him not dominating last year. Um, yeah. You know, some of the other guys maybe having a few more struggles than, than what they're used to. But, um, I think it's, I think it's more him stepping up with the motorcycle that he's on than those other guys just not performing well. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. I mean, if you look at lap times, everybody's going faster. So.
1: Yeah. And you know, one other aspect of, of, that situation with Cameron's team. And we've always remarked about this in the early goings of our race weekends or in the mornings in practice sessions is, you know, we all know Richard Stamboli is a little bit of a mad scientist. So he seems like he's always trying to move the ball forward with trying stuff. And, And, you know, they have their share of little things happening during practice sessions or whatever. And, you know, the the situation with Gagne's uh, collection notwithstanding, that could have probably happened, you know, just by, I guess you could even say user error on frying it to get a good start. But everything all comes good for Cameron when it comes time to race or really even in Super Bowl. So whatever they're doing to try to try some different things with setups or parts or whatever they're doing, you know, they get that out of the way. And then he just goes out and wins races. So they don't seem to be jinxed by experimenting, I guess. No, on weekend. I
0: think. I think they've got to continue to push things because you got to continue to push things and go faster because you never know when something's going to click with somebody else and you don't want to be caught on your back foot. And and, you know, you don't want to, you don't. in other words, you don't want to make it so that your limit has already been met. You know, you should never meet meet your limits. You got to keep pushing forward. And, and obviously when you're trying new stuff um, sometimes it doesn't work. I think, Cameron on in, in the press conference on Sunday said that they tried all kinds of stuff on Sunday morning um, and and it didn't work. So it, you know you all you know what your setting was then which you that you were comfortable on and you went fast so it's easy to just go back to that. So there's no harm in, 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 in you know, especially with the way that he's been dominating. I mean you can waste a session here and there. Uh, right trying to get the thing to even go faster because you want to be ready for when somebody else does go faster and you need to be faster. so
1: Yeah, and I just I, I sense that it there because of that team and the way it's structured and it's not like the official unofficial factory team anymore. it's out from under the race shop specifically within Yamaha and Keith McCarty. And it seems like Richard's a little bit more of an experimenter than maybe Keith was and is willing to try some things. I also think he has a little bit more freedom to go think, not only think outside the box, but go outside the box in terms of working with partners, technical partners, or whatever. It's it's something that Yamaha couldn't do as much because you know they were they're uh, they were corporate, more corporate. I think they it's a little more freed up. It seems like that's the impression I get. Do you do you get that as well?
0: Yeah, he probably um, he can probably do pretty much anything he wants, and I mean the guy is no dummy. I mean, he knows what he's doing and I think he knows a lot about the electronics. And I think he's been able to step the electronics up to the point where Cameron has a lot more confidence in him than what he had before. And I mean, in this day and age, I think that's, you know, that's a big part of the equation. So I, I just think it's working really well right now for him. And, and I, you know, everyone always is, you know, the big question is, and I, and honestly, if you, if you look at the difference between this year and years past, And people saying boring, not boring. The thing that's made the difference is that we can't... Right now, we can't count on Tony Elias being there at every single race. And you could always do that before. Like, when I would watch races before, and I know you'd be the same, and I know the fans were the same, it didn't matter if he was on the third row, the second row, the first row. It didn't matter if, if he was fifth. If he was fifth on the second lap, you still had a belief that he was going to go forward and would challenge for the win, whether or not he got it or not, just depend if it was his day, but he would challenge for the win no matter what. And I think not having Tony being able to do that at this point in the season is what made is, is what make, is what making it a little bit more, you know, quote unquote boring because he, right. the, The races between him and Cameron were just, you know, you could always count on it and then there'd be a third guy every once in a while or a fourth guy every once in a while. And that's what made it what it was. And it's not that way anymore. And I think a big part of that is just that, you know, Tony hasn't had the results yet that we're used to him having. And, and I'm of the belief that that could turn around at any time. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's going on with Tony. I don't know what's going on with the team. You know, he's got good lap times and he's gone faster here than, than he's ever gone before, and, and and whatever we've heard the lap time stories, but the bottom line is the results haven't been the same, and I don't know why that's how it is. But I I I think it's way too early to stick a fork in the guy and say he's done because I just don't believe that's true. Because I just think he's a fighter, and I I think when he's done, he'll actually realize he's done and be done. So
1: yeah, I think I think he's gonna figure it out. You, you're right. You know, it seemed like know, in the past it almost didn't matter where he started on the grid, even right right from the green light, he would be able to, you know, get that jump off the line and be right amongst them, like you said. And uh it seems it seems like he there's some, you know, he's chipping away. There's some improvements. Um he's moving moving forward a little bit now. Um the starts aren't as lightning fast and crazy like he used to be able to do them but uh it seems like they're gonna they're gonna figure it out at some point here and and uh you know at first it seemed like well geez you know by comparison Bobby Fong's been going unbelievably well with a win under his belt already and things but uh, he was on that team for a year in the past you know before even though it was on super sports so he just is acclimated a little bit more in that to that team than than Tony had been has been So I think you're right I think I think Tony's gonna come on at some point here and be more of a factor as we go on.
0: you know what what's funny is I would always I would always give Cameron a little bit of crap because I'm like okay you you know you would he would be able to do these blistering fast laps at the end of the race. Um, and a lot of times still come up short or what have you, but he always had the speed. I don't think he had, like I said earlier, I don't think he had the exact same confidence in the motorcycle that he has now. So maybe he was a little, he was a little bit Larry of going to the limit all the time on the bike. And he did have some crashes, but what's funny is like, he, he used to get like not very good starts and he'd always be third or fourth and then he's like third or fourth for the entire race and then he'd get up to second and then he'd be racing Tony and he'd either beat him or he wouldn't. Well now he just seems like right from the start he's freaking gone. You know, it, yeah, you know it's, it's yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, I I talked out. to Wayne about the fact that uh, I had
1: talked to Wayne about the fact that you know, he said we know I can't think of which race it was, which where it was, but last year there was one point where he I think it was the final lap of the race he he ran his fastest lap and I remember Wayne was kind of I talked to him recently about this and he was like that just shouldn't happen there's no way that a guy can go at the fastest they went on tires that old at the end of a race it means that he wasn't going as fast as he could have gone earlier in the race so so now he's got that he's doing that he's he's not oh I guess I better pour it on now you know so no now um, he looks
0: like he's just putting in and I don't even want to say maximum effort because I think he's got a little bit in reserve. But I think before maybe there was times when he was, you know, he kept too much in reserve and and couldn't and ran out of time. But now, I mean, he's just from the drop of the Well, I guess it's a green light. It's not a flag. But from from the time that light turns green, he's he's just on a mission and he's just and he's just gone. And I mean, no better way to make a statement than that.
1: Yeah, and you know, even still with that though, the kid races so effortlessly, or seemingly effortlessly. He's so smooth on a bike. Rog- Roger Hayden has pointed that out. It's just his style is so. It just looks like he's not putting a lot of work into it. It just flows for him so well. And you know what? You know he's working hard, but uh, sometimes it just looks like it's so natural.
0: He just has a lot, a lot of talent. I mean, the it, yeah. he could roll out of bed and just go fast, and. I think he can roll out of bed and do anything that he sets his mind on really well. And, you know, that that, nothing pisses you off more than somebody that does that, especially when you're busting your butt every day. And this guy just rolls out of bed and kicks your ass, but he's just one of those guys. I mean, he's just, he's just got a ton of ability and, uh, and it's natural and it comes easy to him. And, you know, he's, he, he, he's a smart guy on the motorcycle as well. He, he makes the right decisions 99% of the time. And he puts himself in the right spot and he doesn't make many. And, and this year, especially, I mean, he made that mistake at, at Road America, you know, but it, he doesn't hide from it. He just really says, yeah, I hit that bump and it was a mistake and it was stupid and I paid for it. And now we move on. So, yeah.
1: Hey, so let's, uh, let's talk about super sport here a little bit because boy, it wasn't too long ago. Um, I, th- for sure. I think we were thinking this, but a lot of fans were thinking, oh, you know, Bobby Fong made won that championship and is moving up and, you know, PJ Jacobson no longer in that class. What's going to be left out of Supersport? sport? There's not, you know, Sean Dillon Kelly is kind of about all that people were saying. Well, lo and behold, look what we have going this year. It's as, it's as uh, exciting and action-packed as it's ever been. And you've got, you know, three riders and even four and five, but certainly those top three with Richie Escalante, Sean Dylan Kelly, and Brandon Posh are are really doing a good job this year, um, fighting hard and, you know, we'll see what happens if it, if it comes to, uh, well, any, any kind of personality conflicts, but, but so far they're racing close and it, it, you know, it's been really good to see. And it's like, Hey, lo and behold, maybe super sports, not a dead class after all.
0: Yeah. I think the super sport class has been really fun. It's, uh, it's good to see guys riding. I think those three guys are riding as hard as they can, uh, you know, and and. So far, Richie's just, he's just been on point with the whole thing. And it's, I don't think we've seen the last of Sean Dylan Kelly um, by any means. I think he can, he, he's going to win some races. I think at this point, Richie's going to be um, difficult to beat um, in as far as the championship. But he can also be pushed into mistakes. I mean, he's made mistakes before and, and they're all capable of making mistakes. Um, I think if you're Sean Dillon Kelly, you just got to keep pouring on the pressure and, and trying to win some races, which he's obviously trying to do. I think Brandon Posh, um, you know, on Sunday at, uh, at Pittsburgh, that was as close as, as he's been as far as like being in the battle and making passes. And okay, it was with Sean Dillon Kelly and Richie was up the road a little piece, but still they battled and, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 that I think that class will go to the very end. Um, and, and it's obviously exciting. And I, I, you know, I'm also impressed with some of those guys that are, that are, uh, that are behind those three, because a lot of those guys have made mm-hmm. huge improvements, like, you know, I think Kevin Olmedo, for example, I mean, he's impressive, um, uh, Benjamin Smith, Jason Aguilar, there's a, there's yep. a lot of these guys that you think of as being, you know, a step below that I think. You know, I haven't looked at the lap times. I haven't looked at the the, the races and compared them to before, but it seems like they're getting closer um, and they've kind of, those guys have all either made the next step or are on the verge of making that next step um, where they can run that pace and run it comfortably and, and not fall down. So it'll be fun.
1: Yeah. It's a good development class for sure. Well, it's development for superbike. It's certainly a top class for our series, but you can see how it, it leads to, you know, superbike and things like that. But yeah, to your point about, um, Benjamin Smith and, and Ag- Jason Aguilar, um, they, uh, they really, and, and Kevin Omedo too, they, those, those guys are really kind of stepping up and I, I think they're just going to continue to move forward and we'll, we'll see it as it goes. But, um, you know, I mean, we've heard some things. I might as well mention it. We've heard some things about Richie and the fact that he's got that ZX6R. I know fans sometimes say, okay, it's 636 cc's, um, uh, but, you know, by the same token, it's kind of, um, it, it's like, uh, it's he's riding that bike better than anybody's ever ridden that motorcycle before. It's been around for five years, and it is a Graves uh, Motorsports prepared bike, which we know they have a, a heritage of success, so... Um, for a lot of reasons, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not just a little bit more displacement from that thing. So I, am going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just come out and say that, um, I'm sure you agree.
0: Yeah. I think it's just one of those, oh. it's one of those things that uh, the dog days of summer over there, isn't it, Sean?
1: Sorry, Paul, I gotta let my dog out.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll just keep talking. <laughs>
1: Sorry, Paul. I always, know when, I always know when the UPS man comes to the door. For some reason, my dog doesn't like this—the color brown. I guess.
0: So. What about is he, is he okay? With, okay with FedEx.
1: No, he doesn't like. <laughs> he doesn't like red. White okay, and blue so it's not the brown. He, it's I, strangers I coming like, to
0: the door with a box is what he doesn't like.
1: Yeah, it's the packages. He thinks, oh, it's more stuff for for us and not, not any stuff for him. So right. anyway, sorry about that rude interruption by Bennington, my special dog.
0: But anyway, what I, what I was saying is, um, I think it's just, you know, I think it's right now they've, that, that team is a, it's a good rider. It's a good motorcycle. I think they've got, Richie's got a good crew. Um, they know what they're doing. I think that motorcycle has been developed, you know, by the Graves crew, you know, they, with, uh, AFM last year, with Valentin Davis riding it. I mean, I think they've done their homework and they've kind of slid in with the bike and. Uh, And like I said, I think I'm still of the belief that, you know, that most of the job is done by the rider and not necessarily the motorcycle. I think you have to have a good motorcycle, obviously, and you have to have a good crew, but I I mean, I'd hate to take anything away from Richie um, and his performances this year based on, on what people say about the motorcycle. And again, I think, you know, both motors. I think all three of those brands will end up winning races this year and uh you know, there's definitely parity there still. So I'm not, not a concern to me.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Um, let's get in a, some conversation about a couple of the other classes too. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Liqui Jr. Cup, just because it was, they were interesting races. Uh, you know, Rocco won both of them. He re- won every race he got involved in. And I guess we, we've pointed this out before Cameron won both his races Richie won both his races. Rocco won three races that he was in, but for with regard to Junior Cup, it was interesting. There were some things that happened. um, You know, a couple incidents on the track, and a couple of uh, the riders went down. But you know, our from what we've been able to find out, everybody's is okay. Uh, I think um, Dominic Doyle. You know, when he had his little situation there, where he caught the, the edge of the track and you know unfortunately went into some other riders those other riders were okay and dominic was a little beat up but you talked to him didn't you paul and he said he was okay yeah he
0: was okay um i think he you know he he made a mistake obviously trying to come back where he did but it didn't sound like that was his original plan and he, he was trying not to crash on the grass and you know just a few things went wrong and kind of put him in a bad spot but you know that was definitely those are the kind of crashes that scare me when um you know when guys are You know, hitting each other and running over each other and stuff. It's, uh, you expect bad things to happen. And, and in that case, um, you know, everybody, everybody got up and, and pretty much walked away and, and most of them were just back racing again. So it's, uh, it was one of those things. It was, it was, you know, it's fairly horrific to watch on, on TV for people and all that. But, uh, just goes to show the protective gear that they have now and, and the precautions that, that everybody takes with it is, uh, works pretty well because, you know, that might not have turned out as well if it was 20 years ago
1: yeah you know i wanted to give an update on isaiah burleson too he had a couple incidents in that sunday race and uh, the first one was mostly okay he kind of lost control of the bike but used another rider as a berm and sort of kept it upright and made a miraculous save on that but um a little while later he had another another crash which was tough because you could see him on the ground and he was conscious because he was writhing around like crazy. So you knew something happened that he wasn't happy with. And I think we were all like, wow, you know, a leg femur, something like that. And, you know, I was wondering just by the way he was, he was kind of doing something. He he looked like he might've hurt, hurt his tailbone and it, it turned out that was the case. I'm definitely not a doctor, but I sometimes play one on TV and I'd I had uh, diagnosed him with a possible fractured coccyx, <laughs> but, but it turned out that he thought the same thing, and it wasn't the case. He he uh, bruised his tailbone, um, but and he thought he, he he thought he fractured his pelvis. But uh, I got a re- uh, update from him today. He's back home in Arkansas, and um, he said he just bruised it real bad to the point where it's painful for him to even move. So he's kind of been bedridden a little bit, but you know nothing broken broken no uh, internal. Injury or anything, so uh, it's just a matter of this bone bruise and healing up from that a little bit. So um, he's he's back on the men and everything's fine there. Well, I'm glad so, his coccyx um, isn't broken. Yeah, for anybody that's ever seen Napoleon Dynamite, that was always a kind of a funny line in that when Uncle Rico said something about your your grandmother, or whatever, broke her coccyx. So it's like,
0: okay. <laughs> well, I think what happens in but, that um, case, probably, I mean. A, when when you hit your tailbone like that, it you, you definitely get the wind knocked out of you. So I'm sure that was that that was probably the most painful part initially, at least because he probably couldn't breathe. But it's good to hear that he's he's, uh, yeah. he's healing up, and sounds like we'll see him again as maybe even as soon as the ridge.
1: Yeah, and you know while we're on the subject of that, and you speak about having the wind knocked out out of them for the viewers who saw our racing on TV or on Live Plus and saw the situation that happened to Max Flinders is when he had a crash. He uh, went over, you know, he was on the side there and he sort of laid back for lied back down for a little bit and you wondered what was going on. Well, he had the wind knocked out of him. He had a few other things happen. He slammed his hand pretty good and uh, he, you know, got a pretty good rash on one hip, I guess, one cheek of his his butt, but uh, it was mostly the, that the wind was knocked out, and we had to kind of lay back and catch his breath. And you're right, Paul, that's probably what Isaiah Burleson's situation was as well. But um, it was you know, it's, it's a technical track, it's tricky, that's it's got a lot of turns in it, has got a lot of elevation change. So, um, it's not you know, they're not just riding around out there, and and uh, you know, Junior Cup, of course, they're I guess you could argue they're the least experienced riders that we have and um you know things happen sometimes but to your point about the safety equipment and and uh you know what they have out there it, you know they're mostly kept in in good condition for as uh action-packed as our series is uh and uh quick on stock 1000 let's just talk about that a little bit too we we've, we're seeing some of these riders who weren't competing in stock 1000 and superbike cup now Choosing to do that, and one of them was we were kind of off and on about whether he was going to do it or not. But Alex Duma has—he's 18 now, so he's old enough to race in Superbike, and he moved up and and uh, tried that out a little bit. And you know that kid's development curve is just unbelievable. He uh, he's doing the same thing it seems like that he did last year when he went into Twins Cup and took a few races to figure things out and ended up winning the championship. And I'm not saying that's, what's going to happen this year because Cam Peterson is certainly going, going well, but uh, you, you know, and Corey Alexander and those guys, but you know, Alex is starting to make some noise in stock 1000 and um, he got some experience in the deep end with superbikes, So that, that was nice to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, that kid's really, you know, he's obviously talented and he's smart and he's does the right thing. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't throw the thing down the road all the time. He um it seems like he, he I don't want to say baby step because by their no they're by no means baby steps, they're pretty big steps, but he he takes them when he feels comfortable taking them and then you know he's he hangs out there for a bit and then he takes a few more. He's always going in the right direction. And like I said before, he's not he's not he's not damaging motorcycles or, or hurting himself to try to get to those steps, which leads you to believe that he's comfortable when he does make the step. Like he's not riding over his head. But uh, you know, those guys now in Stock One Thousand, you know, Cameron Peterson said it on the in the press conference and I think Corey said it, it's uh they're all impressed with how quickly he's starting to get to grips with riding the big bike. And they know for the rest of the season from from Saturday on out when he was, you know, when he was racing for the lead, they know that he's going to probably be a factor, you know, for the rest of the season as far as racing for victories. And it's only a matter of time before he gets one. Um, and then as he's shown in the past in the other classes, once he gets one, he sort of likes it and and runs with it. I don't think he's going to have, it's not going to be as, is. and I don't want to say twins cup racing was easy for him last year, but I think by the end of the year, he pretty much had a handle on those guys. I don't think he's going to get a handle on these guys like he, like he did with that class, but that's because that, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big step to that, to that class. And there's, you know, Cameron Peterson's a, a talented kid and, Corey Alexander, there's there's not a lot of slouches in that class, so whatever he gets from here on out, he's, he's no. definitely going to earn.
1: Yeah, and I mean Cam Peterson, it was great that after the problems that he had at uh, Road Atlanta, one weekend later, it seems like they solved a lot of him, or at least they've mitigated him a little bit. And they may still be there, but he's he's at least able to run fast laps, and his brakes are seem to be working pretty well. And he ended up getting the two wins, so that was that was terrific for him to you know, happy to see him do that. I mean, he, you know, we, we love all our riders. They've, they all got, have great personalities, you know, Corey Alexander is another one, but certainly cam with what he's, the dues he's paid over the years with what he's done. It's, it's nice to see him in a class where he's one of the front runners. And as long as his equipment holds up, you know, he's being, being able to show his talent. So that's a pretty, pretty awesome and exciting thing. Yeah. To see. I
0: think the kid deserves a break. You know, I think he struggled um, for various reasons. Um, but he's, he's just really talented and he's really fast. And I mean, I honestly, I honestly believe if you, if he was on a good bike, um, a good super bike, I think he's perfectly capable of running in the top five and at a super bike race right now. So, I mean, he's definitely good. Um, but yeah, you would like to see just the pieces fall into place for him. If he it's so at least that if, if he doesn't win the championship, you know, at least make it so that it's the kid's fault and, and not some outside that's kind of kept him down but it's it's always good to see him do well he he comes from a great family and i know you 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 have good feelings for his dad like i do um so yeah it's 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 nice to see and you know it's it's like all those guys you just want them to do the best they can and 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 everybody get through the thing and and have some good luck and not too much bad fortune fortune it's always you know, it, it's nice to see him battle and it's nice to see the guy who wins, deserves to win. And the guy who gets second comes back and maybe he gets them the next time. So I think that class is going to be pretty have mixed results as we go forward. And I think P.J. Jacobson is going to come is going to come back. And obviously he's not going to uh, he, he's going to want to come back in style and start winning races again. And he's perfectly capable of that, as he's already shown. So I think that class will just get more interesting as we go forward.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned PJ because he was uh, – even though he wasn't riding and Jake Lewis rode his bike in, in actually in Superbike because Jake had couldn't ride in Stock 1000 based on his positioning last year uh, when he was with the Yosh team. So he had to race that bike in Stock Trim but in Superbike. So anyway, it was nice to see – I found out that PJ was there and it was actually his birthday. Um, I went over and got to see him and talk to him a little bit. But you could tell he's – you know, he's still – healing up from some of the burns that he got from his situation up at road America. And uh, you can tell why he's not racing. I mean, there's a couple of things there. Not only is it uncomfortable to move around on the bike, but you know, should something happen, he went down. I mean, he's got these burns on his areas of his body and you know, when you get those, it's like blisters or whatever, and you don't want to have anything happen with that infection or whatever. The other person I want to mention to before we kind of talk about twins cup real quick here, is uh, travis wyman it was nice to see him on the podium i know that's a new bike for him and people are always seem to be harping about the fact that why doesn't shy racing have the new bmw well sometimes the new bike has a few more teething problems than a bike that you've worked on and developed quite a bit and i know shyby has had had some things here and there too which is kind of part and parcel of racing but it's good to see anyway that tra- travis is starting to make some inroads and they're developing that bike and certainly that's going to be a good good bike for him to ride. And I'm, I'm glad to see that brand up and he got on the podium too. So um, that was nice. Uh, well, boy, we've already gone like 42 minutes, Paul, but let, let me just jump. Let me just, let's just say a couple of things about Twins Cup. Um, I was disappointed with the fact that Chris Parrish wasn't able to come up. I mean, he's a past champion in our series and he wasn't able to be at Pittsburgh because the bike that they, he's riding a Yamaha this year, uh, which Andy Palmer with AP Moto Arts is working on and they've got the bike tuned to the point where it's kind of hold, hard to hold the thing together. Literally, it's almost like almost virtually a grenade. And they had engine problems at at uh, Road Atlanta. And because we raced the r- weekend right after that, they just couldn't get the bike ready and the engine built in time for him to come up. So we had to sit, it, sit out. And it's the first time Chris hasn't raced with us uh, since we started the Twins Cup class. He's a you know, not only a bit of an elder statesman, but, but he's very, uh, very loyal to racing in the class, but you know, Rocco got the win in that. And, uh, that was, that was nice to see for him. I mean, to have three wins going into his debut in Red Bull MotoGP Rookies Cup, which is coming up next weekend, I believe in Austria, uh, or this weekend, I could say, yeah, this weekend. Um, so that was kind of cool for him to go with that dominance of winning essentially three races on the weekend. But, um, You know, I wanted to ask you about Twins Cup a little bit, though, Paul, in closing. Um, I'll try to make this quick. But, you know, they're saying this started out as sort of these Twins bikes are very popular in club racing around the country in different regions. And so what we did is we took we said all these guys that are racing these bikes in club racing come and race in in a national series that goes, you know, from one end of the country to the other. And it started out where, you know, it's a bit of a hot rod class. Guys are trying to figure out how to do some things to the bikes. And, you know, they've moved forward. The lap times are a lot, more fa- lot faster now. You've got teams like Team Hammers involved in that series now. So, you know, it's, it's being recognized as something that's not just, you know, club racers that are in our series, it's, it's a legitimate class now. But they've got to the point where they've done so much work on those bikes that they're, the dependability factor is a bit of an issue. And I know some of the teams and riders are wondering, have we gone too far? Should it be limited by possibly horsepower in some way? it's being discussed within the teams and writers, nothing officially with us in Moto America, but you know, what do you think about that, Paul? I mean, it seems like it happens with everything where uh, we humans always are trying to make go faster and make things, you know, perform even better, but sometimes there's a cost to it.
0: Yeah. I think I've, I've seen it a lot where the comfort level just goes down. I guess you could say we, you know, you start the series with some older guys and their bikes. And like you said, there's some club racers, mostly club racers. And it was a kind of a tuner's class and this and that. So they could all, you know, pretty much do anything they wanted to the motorcycles. And then things kind of change a little bit. I hate to see that it gets more serious, but it does. It gets more serious. Suddenly the, you know, bikes that are winning the races are getting taken out of semis instead of the back of a pickup truck. And the whole professionalism of the class kind of evolves a little bit and then you get younger guys in there. Um, I'm not going to say hungrier, but you know, they're, they're guys trying to go somewhere and, and, and it, and it pushes some of those veterans down the order a little bit. It just kind of changes things and maybe takes the fun out of it a little bit for some of those guys that are, you know, they were buddies and they went racing with their buddies and they were able to race in that class. So.
1: Yet, yeah, you, you know, Paul, what it reminds me of, you I know you remember uh, several years ago, single cylinder motorcycles were kind of a bigger deal in racing, and they had sound to singles in some way all around the world. And you know, you started out, you'd see SR 500s or SRX 600s, or you know, things like that. Then, then you'd start seeing Ducati, those Ducati, uh monos that 500 and some of those singles were just absolutely developed to the hilt and they were so crazy expensive for a one cylinder motorcycle but they had everything on them you know titanium this that and the other thing and it was the same kind of thing it it was a simple concept a simple formula that turned into this massive thing with all all kinds of crazy stuff because people are just trying to be faster than the other person and one of the ways to do that is just you know put crazy parts on it or you know bore it out or you know get it to the absolute hilt of what that what it can put out which is at the expense sometimes of durability or too much heat in the engine and that seems to be happening
0: yeah and you're not going to be able to stop people from building things as as to the best of their abilities and you're you're not going to be able to and you're not going to stop teams from wanting to get the best rider so in turn you end up with the best rider on the best bike and sometimes that leaves the other guys behind so and i think that's kind of where we're at but I mean that—that's—that's yeah. that's motorcycle racing. That's any kind of racing. It's just going to happen.
1: Definitely that for sure. But uh, hey, so that was uh, that was all five classes at uh, Pittsburgh uh, International Race Complex. We didn't talk about Mini Cup by Motul too much, but they were there, and there was a lot of good racing from those kids as well. Um, I was—I didn't get a chance to go over there, but I know you did and got to see some of them over there. You, you know, want to say anything about that? What you saw over there?
0: That It amazes me when I see, like, he, Junior Cup is the same way. I, I watch those kids race motorcycles, and you don't think of them as being little kids. And, and when, right. you know, when I see some of those, quote, unquote, little kids, and they're, like, you know, in their street clothes, riding their scooters around, you're like, holy crap, they're little kids. And the they, maturity level is just so high when they're on the motorcycle. And the way they race together and with how confident they do things and and 90 percent of the time they do the right thing um it just it makes them it, it just you can't realize that they're just little kids and it's even more so when you go over to the mini cup and you're watching these guys ride around the little bike so they the sizing looks normal and then when they they take their helmet off it's it's, it's, you know, it's a little nine-year-old kid and you're just like holy crap how do they do that but just starting early. You
1: know. Yeah, it's pretty. Just it's, just early, you know. it's pretty cool. And then you know we've got a couple weekends off here before we go to our next round up at the Ridge Motorsports Park in Shelton, Washington, and that's the final weekend for Mini Cup by Motul. So uh, those guys will be essentially doing two rounds in a row with us, which is which is really cool that they're going to wrap it up. And I'm sure that what's going to happen next year is that's going to expand. It just seems like it's so popular that they. Are probably going to figure out a way to get it at more rounds. I'm maybe not all of them, but certainly expanded to more more events than they had yeah. this year with the three. But uh, it's cool to see. Yeah, it's a, it's really a good cool little series,
0: and I'm sure it'll expand. And you know, who knows? That might be where um, there's probably a potential world champion somewhere in that pack of little kids, which is be kind of fun to watch. That's right.
1: Well, I guess we better wrap it up here. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say, you know, thanks to our fans for listening to the podcast and please subscribe to Moto America live plus our popular subscription streaming service. And also don't forget to get your race weekend tickets. Um, and you can go to motoamerica.com for complete details on that, uh, for our rounds that are remaining in this this season, there's only one that we know is for sure, not going to be able to have spectators, unfortunately. And that's, at the next round at the Ridge, which will be, you know, we'll be covering it on TV We're, our TV has been fantastic this year and certainly um, live plus is the way to pretty much be there at the track without actually being there. So we hope fans will uh, continue to enjoy that and, and new, new subscribers will get involved. But Um, Thanks, Paul. Uh, We always we always have fun when it's just the two of us on here and we uh, we went longer than we do with most of our guests. So uh, we certainly like. Yeah, I can't blame them for the
0: length of this since they weren't here. So, yeah, thanks for uh, participating. And um, yeah, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this weekend not seeing you.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you are. Unfortunately, my wife doesn't have the same uh, advantage. She's going to have to put up with
0: me this yeah, weekend. Probably. So, it's funny because um, her and I have a lot in common because one of us is probably always screwed by having to hang out with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, if it's not her, it's you. Exactly. That's right. All right. Well, you uh, you have a good rest of your week. You too, Paul. Thanks.